we are drifting. <laughs> we are drifting away. Into another episode <laughs> of Day 4 with Frank Scalish. This happens to be episode number 84, following up last week's manifesto and expertise on drift socks. The It's a lost art. The not lost just art. for the Great Lakes, as no. I learned last week. No, not. And I need a 30-incher and a 50-incher or 40-incher? 30 and a 50. And then if you want to get the bow. Yeah, if you want to get to the big water, then you got to go 72. Very interesting episode. I will be curious to see how many people outside of the northern states see the title of day four, number 83, and say, yeah, maybe not for me, and not realize what they missed in that episode that might be applicable on their fishery and help them put more fish in the boat simply because they were closed-minded and did not understand the benefits of drift socks from coast to coast. Yeah, I, I hope that's not the case because it'll put a lot more fish in some guys' boats and they will be um, happy. Yeah. Very festive <laughs> today. It. You headed on vacation. Do you ever go on vacation? Like, do you do the cruise thing or like the beach vacations with the Dude, I, can, I can't be in a boat. I ain't driving. A cruise has never happened in my lifetime. Never happening in my lifetime. Plus, I get seasick on the ocean. I get seasick like a dog on the ocean. But not man. on the Great Lakes. I can get seasick on the Great Lakes. Oh, this is a revelation. I was unaware yeah. of this. Yeah, so so my so my wife and I, we go on our honeymoon, we go to St. Croix. So this is such this is so off topic. So we go to St. Croix and I'm like we're going deep sea fishing because I got to catch billfish and we're here and the billfish are here and I'm going to catch billfish. And she's like, okay, that'll sounds like fun. I'll do it with you. I go, okay, cool. So we snorkeled for a while. Um, and I, I found all kinds of good stuff, spotted mores and all kinds of crazy fish. Funny story is I lost my wedding ring snorkeling on your honeymoon. On our honeymoon. So I'm I'm out there. She's on the beach. I'm out there snorkeling around. Well, I found this big, beautiful spotted moray eel. So when I left the water to go get her to come and see this spotted eel, um, I was using coral to, to track my way out. So when I got back in, I can use that coral to find that moray eel again. You follow me? So yeah, I'm out there breadcrumb trail with coral. Correct. So I'm out there and I'm following, you know, the stag coral and all the different corals to get to this moray eel. And all of a sudden my wife grabs my ankle and I literally jumped out of my skin, dude, because we're right on the edge. St. Croix, if you don't know, St. Croix is right on the edge of this canyon so when you snorkel out there you have all this beautiful stag coral and and all these big beautiful coral things when you go outside the coral all you see is dark blue forever because it goes straight down like a canyon okay so she grabs my ankle i come out of my skin because i don't know what predators got me right if i would have known it was that kind of predator, I would have bailed right there, but I didn't. I stayed. So anyway, she grabs me and she's got, she's holding, she's holding something. And I, it looks like a bottle cap. So I'm like, oh, cool. She's picking up trash. You know what I mean? That's good. She's picking up trash. She goes, it's your wedding ring. And I'm no like, way. yeah, dude, swear to God. That's how I know I followed my exact trail back because she found the wedding ring. So I, anyway, we go to this thing and the moray is still there and we're taking underwater pictures of it. It was really cool. I mean, it was really, really fascinating. The fish that I was swimming with and everything was fascinating. Um, and we had, we had a blast, dude. I, I And we've never gone back since. And I, I wish... We could have. It was so. We had so much fun. It was unbelievable. Um, we're so off tra- topic, but I like That's I rent story. Like I rented a jeep, and we did nothing. Tourist. You just hung out. 
We just we, any we went to the other side of the island where no tourists are. We hung out with all the natives, um, the you know the people that live on the yeah. island. Yeah. We went up into the rainforest just ourselves, just in a jeep, just trailblazing. And uh, anyway, so so we go to this restaurant, and I, I book a trip to go fishing, to go bill fishing. So we we go to this restaurant, and and we're and we're like. We're, we're completely like we're morons, man. We are partying our brains out. We are eating lobsters. We are eating. Mm. We are partying like rock stars. Okay. Like, like we actually have a million dollars that we could spend it. So in this restaurant is this gigantic topographical map of the entire area. And you're a big fan of maps. Right. So I'm looking at the map and I go, holy crap, that guy's going to take us right here. She goes, how do you know that? I go, that is the only structural element other than these islands. Before and she goes, the great blue abyss. Right. And, she, and so I'm like all jacked up and she's like, you're, you're out of your mind. You know what I mean? I go, that's yeah. where we're going. We're going right there. I guarantee it. So we, I booked a trip. We meet the dude on the dock and I got with me a flipping stick. Okay. Oh. I brought a fishing rod down there with me. Two okay. piece. No, you brought no. a seven foot. Colla- it was a, it was a collapsible, collapsible in the handle okay. collapsible. So, it. so <laughs> the charter guy looks at me, goes, what do you think you're going to do with that? You know what I mean? I go, I don't know. I just brought it. You know what I'm saying? I brought it. Yeah. So, so it's, it's honking dude. Like the palm trees are like blowed over yeah. and shit. And I'm, I'm not thinking anything about anything, but getting out there and catching some fish. So we, we start, we start trucking out there and the guy goes, Hey, come here, check this out. He goes on his map. He goes, here's where I'm taking you guys. And he goes like that. And I go, see, I told you that's where we were going. You know what I mean? And she, and so she's like, oh, you think you know everything? And um, <laughs> I said, I do. I'm a genius. And um, so anyhow, <laughs> so anyhow, it's like two and a half hour drive to get out there, right? We get out there, and I'm not doing good. I'm like not doing good, and I'm just like not saying anything but I can feel the greenness coming up, you know? Yeah. It's not pleasant. It's unpleasant. And so the guy goes, get in the fighting chair and strap in. So I'm like, okay. So I climb up this chair. So now I'm elevated about two and a half, three feet above the gunnel of the boat. So I'm four or five feet off the ground, really off the bottom of the boat, you know? And they're strapping and clicking all the buckles in. And this chair is going, you know, and the diesel, all the diesel fumes getting in me. And, of course, we were hung over beyond human capacity. And the amount of seafood we ate the night before was (laughs) incomprehensible. Oh, man. I'm sitting in this chair and I got the, I got the fishing rod in my hand and, and I got all the diesel smoke is around me and shit. And I look at the seafood sludge. Oh yeah, dude. I got a marinade going on. (laughs) All sorts of fruity drinks, mixed liquors. Oh dude, it was horrifying. So I look at the, I look at the captain. I go, Hey, he goes, what's up? I go, get me out of this chair right the F now. He goes, what do you mean? I go, do it now. And they're clipping, undoing the buckles, dude. And I run over to the back of the boat and I start dying. Calling the dinosaurs. I mean, dying. So once I get seasick, it's over. I cannot function humanly. Okay. Over. Like I know guys that get seasick and then they're good to go. I get seasick and I go from bad to worse. So anyhow, Rachel starts getting sick. I'm sick. And the charter guys are sitting there like this going, what do you want to do, sir? (laughs) And I said, what I want you to do is get some lines out there and start trolling something. If we hook up, grab me and get my ass in this chair so I can catch the fish. Okay. So I said, just start trolling. And whatever happens, happens and start heading towards the freaking island, dude, because I'm not going to stay out here all day like this. I won't make it. So 
he starts trolling back to the islands and I never got off the deck of the boat. I laid on the floor of the boat the whole way back. So the funniest thing is I can't even believe I'm telling this story. It's probably one of the most embarrassing moments of my life. So anyhow, so, so, so Rachel's starting to feel okay. We're driving back and she's like getting her wits about her. And she's like, you know, where do you want to eat when we get back? And I'm like, so so anyhow, so we get back and I get out of the boat onto the dock itself. And I can't even stand up. I'm so sick. I can't stand. So I lay down on the dock. I just lay there Mm -hmm. about 15, 20 looking at you, looking at me 15, 20 minutes later. After the crowd disperses, they go, hey, you're going to have to get up and get off this dock. So I get up. I get off the dock. I go to a picnic table. I lay down on the picnic table for another hour and then started feeling better. And I said, good God almighty, I have never been that sick in my entire life. I was horrified. And you never caught anything? Heck no, dude. I got more fish scuba diving. I I was literally beyond alive. Did you have point. to pay for the trip? Oh, absolutely, dude. <laughs> I I told her I said here I said here's the here's the here's the I said here's the rotten shame of it all. We go out, we spend like two three hundred dollars partying our asses off. I spent five hundred dollars on a charter boat to drive me out, puke my guts out, in. turn around and take me back to shore. I said, "What? The, what's going on here?" You know what I mean? But um, but yeah, dude. Oh my god, it was horrible. That is a legendary story. It was horrible, man. We talk about it to this day. But and now they, we no, talk but about it, it on day four, number eighty four, and, and now it's on day four eighty four. And 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 um, no, we don't. We don't. Look, I got four kids and, you know, house and bills and everything. We don't do a lot of vacationing. Yeah. We don't do. And when I was fishing Bassmasters, you know the drill, dude. I was running the elites and the opens. I was never here. Yep. Never here. So, no. <laughs> we don't. She gets mad at me, too, all the time. Oh, you got, you're going fishing again, and we don't go anywhere. And you're going to just take three days and go to Gunnersville. And I'm like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> All right. Um, so where do we go from here? Uh, well, we're gonna do because it look it's it, it's summer's winding down. This is the end of summer. We're getting into early fall transition, and we touched on it a couple of shows ago. And so I think we're gonna get a little more detailed into it because I I there's different lakes do different things. So we're just gonna talk about it. I like it. It's hard yeah. to believe we're already on the f- starting the fall transition. It's crazy. This summer went, I mean, absolutely. I just... And I spend most of the summer fishing off of my trolling motor. I've noticed that. Yeah, I'm so aggravated. Anyhow, that's okay. All right. So late summer, early, early fall, fall transition. transition. It's something right. that, you know, we talk about every time late summer, early fall rolls around, shockingly. But... I think it's it good is. to have a, a little bit of a, a refresher course every year. Right. So, so you know what? We'll ta- we'll tackle this about we'll tackle this about what do we know and and what do we not know. Let's go that route. Oh, you're going to make me big again on the screen. Yeah, it's day four eighty four with Frank Scalish. All of course, right. You get, so you get the big screen once we get into the. Uh, the cr- the crux is that the right word there the, the crux yeah the- we could talk about the crux I have illustrations too guys okay. illustrations so anyhow so let's talk about this okay so what do we know all right let's start out with that what do we know we know the bass were on summer structure offshore okay and they're probably still some out there um, we know that in the fall bait fish are going to migrate up the creeks and mm-hmm. into the pockets. On true grass lakes um, or natural lakes, the bait fish are going to use grass edges. Okay, well, that's we know that. We know that the bait fish are now starting to school and move. We know that because now there's could be topwater bites prevalent on some of the lakes. Mm-hmm. Um, one note I want to make: this migration is absolutely one hundred percent not 
water temperature driven at this point. Really? It is not water temperature driven. Our lakes barely pluck down a couple degrees. This is a, the time where the days are starting to shorten up again. Uh-huh. Just like in the spring, the early springtime, you know, ice outs to pre-spawn, the days are starting to get longer. The fish start moving. In the spring, they, the bass that are in 20 feet of water have no idea it's five degrees warmer in three feet of water. They start to move predicated on lengths of day. Same thing happens this time of year. The days start to shorten up and their cycle starts to go. Okay. Another thing we know is during this period, drawdown lakes are starting to get pulled. They're starting to pull water on these drawdown lakes. We know that when they start to pull the water on drawdown lakes, bass start to use certain structural elements. They use secondary points, main lake points, riprap, bridge funnels. The bait fish all use this stuff. When the water starts to move, the bait fish use this stuff, and so do the bass. Um, we know that. These are things that we absolutely 100% know during this transition time. So what don't we know? Well, the thing that we don't know is what stage these fish are in yet. That's the big question we don't know. Along with that is we're starting with a blank canvas right now, especially if you haven't been on the water since the offshore bite was good in the summer. You have a complete blank canvas because you don't know where these fish are in this process. Mm-hmm. So, so the next thing that I would say is plan of attack. We have to have a plan of attack because we have to make this manageable. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to analyze the lake. And what I mean by that is, is it a natural lake? Is it a reservoir? If it's a reservoir, is it being drawn? Is it being drawn down? Or is it a grass lake or a river system? These are all very important things to understand this time of year because the bass will do different things in these different types of lakes. So the first thing I want to do in my plan of attack is I'm going to idle around and I'm going to look for bait fish. Okay. Sounds simple, right? But I'm going to start on the summer structure spots where I was catching them in the summer. Because they all don't move at the same time, okay? But they are in a state of movement. So I'm going to start on my structure spots. And basically, reservoirs, natural lakes, and river systems, okay? That's kind of where I'm going to start. So so let's break this down. I have a diagram here. So you're Why working I... out to in. This is, this is yeah. kind of a correlation to a couple weeks ago where we did the show out you in. put your boat on the water and it's a really tough bite and how do you start and figure out where the fish are without just haphazardly going around 100 percent. Okay, we're working so, out to in so okay. let me see if i can do this okay you, am i good am i on yep go back just pull it back toward there you go perfect okay so this is out obviously this is land yep this is out okay so here's what we got we have Offshore structure, and I can I condensed all this. We have okay. offshore structure not connected to anything. We have offshore structure that's connected to the mainland. All right. So since we don't know what's going on, we're going to start out here, and we're going to fish our way in on the we're offshore structure connected the, to the mainland. Connected to the mainland. The best bet is if they go if they leave here, they're going here. From the just to like an island or something, it's complete yeah, offshore, offshore structure. complete offshore, not not, not related. Sorry, to I'm main just lake. walking it through it a little bit more for iTunes listeners. I love it, I love it. So we're going to start out here, way offshore, mainland connected, and I'm going to attack this just like I would have attacked this in summertime. Mm-hmm. I'm attacking this the same way. I'm going to hit my high percentage areas. I'm going to look at all the high percentage stuff, and I'm going to start fishing it. So let's say I'm not catching them. So now I'm going to work in. Now, as I get closer, I'm going to notice I got a good inside swing here. I have a good steep edge here. Okay. So these are things I'm going to attack. 
if I catch fish here and here, I'm going straight to here and here. Yeah, other similar features. Other similar like features. Like a channel swing or a steep drop. Right. So if I don't come in contact with them here, I go to the next ledge to towards shore, which is probably shallow. This is probably six to eight, probably. Okay. So then I'm going to look at this and I'm going to attack this. Now we got a lot of different things coming into play here because now I might have vegetation. I might have hard spots, blowdowns, lily pads, you know, anything. We Now we're getting into more bank time stuff. Okay. So that's basically how I'm going to attack that. All right. Now, if it's, if now this is important, if it's a drawdown lake, it's actually kind of easier, especially if it's being drawn down at the current time, because you're going to have current in the system and that's going to make things way more predictable. Okay, this is a couple weeks ago. We didn't get into the details on this. Mm -hmm. So if we're in a drawdown lake and you know the lake's being pulled. That's like a Lake Norman, a Cherokee, somewhere where they yeah, drop any, it in the fall. Right. Any lake where they pull it for winter. Um, Why do they pull it for winter? Flood control. Side note. Flood control. Oh, in case they get some massive? Snow, rain. That's the only reason. Only reason. Okay. Okay, so if the lake's being pulled, it's perfect. So we we so what we're going to do is now we're going to do similar. We're going to start on land connected near offshore structure, okay? But we're going to concentrate on the shallow high spots on it because the current's going to be pushing over it. They're going to become feeding zones. The bait fish are going to use it, and the bass are going to be with the bait. The next thing we're going to know, we know that secondary points with deep water access um kind of like kind of like this this one here if this is a secondary point it's got deep water access this is deep this is the point here <clears throat> the ones with the deep water access are going to be more high percentage because the fish are coming from out there going to where they're going okay so they're going to run those contour lines like roadmaps. Okay. So then we're going to do, we're going to start on the lake that we're going to start on main lake points, and then we're going to expand into the Creek mouths. All right. Because we don't know exactly where these fish are in their transition. So we have to, we have to figure out um, kind of where they're going. Um, so that's what, that's what we're going to focus on. So here's another really cool thing that happens on these drawdown lakes. Um, they'll use, uh, bridge funnel points and uh, where a bridge is a bridge that crosses the lake here. Let me, okay. That's gorgeous. Where a bridge crosses over the lake. Riprap on either side. Riprap on either side. So here's, this is our current direction. They're pulling water. This is our current direction. And you could be talking about current that you might not even be able to physically, visibly see. Correct. It's it could not be correct. invisible current, so to speak. It is, exactly. In most instances, it is, unless they're really ripping the water. Mm -hmm. But most of the time, it's not really that visible. So, so when you see something like this, all your active fish are going to be in the current. All the active fish, the feeders are all current related. So this becomes an important area here uh, where the second, the secondary creek channel butts off. Um, this becomes, these riprap's on the facing current side become very important. Any structure that you have off of the riprap becomes very important now. Remember, current's going through the bridge, so it's funneling all that water into a real tight area. So the current by the time the current gets out here now it's cooking because it funnels through there and as it tightens up it speeds the current up so here's what happens on these bridges because the current speeds up as it goes through you're getting eddies on both sides of the riprap you're getting eddies on it mm -hmm. okay the eddy changes the current direction because the current's going this way, but when it gets to here, it spins around itself and starts going this way. Why is that important to know? 
that's important to know because if you're going to go down this riprap, you're going to fish it this way because you want to be casting up current and bringing the bait back towards yourself. Holy cow, I've never thought of that. You follow me? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's so why that, it's like literally sometimes you're, you'll just be fishing riprap all day and you'll be like, well, we can only catch them going this way. Correct. Weird. You just think it's like a random freak it's thing. But not it's because random. of how the fish are set up because right. of invisible current because of the eddy. And they always face into the current. Oh so on, on this side of the bridge, you're fishing this way, mm-hmm. this way, because the current's coming into it and funneling in, funneling in. You see what I mean? Yeah. So you're bringing your bait back with the current so the fish are facing it. And every time Correct. you're your crankbait or whatever, you're hitting their little ambush point and they're, they're coming out and eating it. Correct. That's the, be- that's the easiest way I can tell you guys how to fish a bridge funnel. And bridge funnels are very overlooked. Um, they really are, but they just get they get gobs of fish because all the bait fish go into that current. Everything uses that current. It's just it's okay. uh, it's, it's the so then as funnel. a rule of thumb, I, I want to can can you visual can you can you put this into words without the picture? So you're fishing a, a bridge during drawdown or where there's current. Yeah, on the up side of the current, which would be. The Where side the that they're hitting the bridge, right? The, the side the that the current's blowing into. Yes, you want to fish away from the bridge pilings. Correct. On the back side of that bridge, you you want to, uh, you, you want to put your boat into both currents you want to have your nose facing into each current so on the back side of the bridge where the eddies will swirl Mm -hmm. okay it'll be the opposite on the other side so you want to be fishing towards the bridge then you fish on the back side you fish away from the bridge i'm sorry on the front side side you fish fish towards towards the bridge bridge. correct because the current's going in and on the front and it's doing the opposite on the back here we'll show you no i'm just saying so there's a way that if you go around the point there, you could be fishing it backwards. But if you start on the other side and work your way around the other way, you're fishing it both correctly. Correct. That's I correct. So, that so sense. that's, that's kind of how to approach that specific situation. Um, so that's drawdown lakes, um, points, secondary points. I always start on the main lake. The first time I get to a lake, if it's being pulled, I always start on the main lake because I don't know where the fish are at. So I'll take a piece of offshore structure and I'll go to the closest stuff near shore from that structure because the fish are going to use it just like we explained on the first map. The fish are going to use it and they're going to migrate into wherever they want to go. They're going to migrate from there. Uh, same, same thing with the bridge picture. If this is way offshore, they'll migrate this to get to the bridge. You follow me? Yep. There's going to be a movement that they're going to have, um, which is fantastic. Uh, so, so basically, we're going to look and we're going to. I'm going to say this: late summer, early fall. We're not talking about later in the fall. That's a different animal. Late summer, early fall like right around now time we have to find out where these fish are what they're using so the the problem that i see this time of year for me is i'm not a clutter guy i don't want a lot of stuff on my deck of my boat i don't want a lot of rods i don't want a lot of lures unfortunately this time of year you're going to have that You're absolutely going to have a hodgepodge of stuff on your boat until you can figure it out because we have a lot of things going on here. Okay, so let's talk grass lakes. If I'm fishing a grass lake this time of year, well, I'm absolutely going to have a spook tied on. I'm absolutely going to have a buzzbait tied on, and I'm going to have crankbaits tied on so I can crankbait the grass edges, and I'm going to have soft plastics on, something to pitch and flip, something to flick shake, and then I'm going to have big jigs on for deep grass edges if the crankbait bite's not working. Until I establish how those fish are relating to the grass, I need a lot of baits out. 
as I narrow a pattern down, I can eliminate rods. So let's say I get a good day, bait fish are up near the top, and I'm catching them on top waters. I could essentially, for the most part, put away half of the rods I have. But even when I'm catching them on top waters on grass lakes, I'm still going to have the deep crankbaits out or crankbaits that get me to a depth range of where the deepest grass ends. Okay, so for example, if the deepest grass ends in 14 feet, I'll have DD22's Fat Free 7s on. If the deepest grass ends in 10 feet, I'll have Deep Little Ends Fat Free 6s on. You see what I mean? So I'll control how deep I'm fishing by what baits I'm but throwing. But keeping your bait in the same position in relation to the, the cover or structure. Correct. Grass edges, the, the, the bait fish this time of year go to the grass edges. On, gra- on natural grass lakes, bait fish go to the grass. They don't have all that other stuff that reservoirs have. They go to the grass on what grass do do lakes. Then? What do they do in the grass? Just relax? The, they yeah they well they yeah they, <laughs> you know in the they fall chill. they're not spawning are right, they feeding in the grass yeah, are they absolutely. using it for protection like both, what are they both absolutely they they so they so so they'll migrate up creeks you know that so if a natural lake has an inflow it's gonna they're gonna go to the inflow do we know okay, why so they just do they just do like they do on <laughs> reservoirs why do they go up creeks in the fall I know on a reservoir? You do. maybe there was a reason I mean, is it the same way reason the wildebeest always have to cross the crocodile river <laughs> you know what i, I mean like yeah I it, it is there was like well it's because the helgramite hatch in the fall or some sort of weird it's, it, i don't know it's, it's a, some I, just I innate know. nature thing that they yeah do. it's just something they do for survival we just don't question it we just know they do it we know they do it we're smarter than them so we take <laughs> advantage of it okay so so reservoirs drawdown reservoirs especially are really can be really easy or really tricky so what I what I like to do on the drawdown reservoir specifically is this to me is this is square bill time. Okay. So I because I'm fishing secondary points. So I'm gonna have my crankbait rods are out in full force. I'm gonna have my square bills like my Norman Fat Boy, Bomber 6A, 7A. I'll have my Normans out based on whatever depth I have to accomplish so if i'm fishing you know 45 degree sloping rock banks or chunk rock points i'll throw my middle end because that thing crawls through the rocks like nobody's business and i can cover a ton of water it's got a great erratic action and it rarely snags up on the rocks so i'm throwing that but if they're if they're on offshore structure but near offshore structure then i got to look at my Deep Little Ends, DD22s, Fat Free series um, of crankbaits based in relative on depth range, okay? The bait fish are going to let you know that too, especially on a drawdown lake because you'll see big piles of bait fish when they're pulling the water. So they're going to give you the depth you need to be in almost immediately. But now also we got football jigs and Carolina rigs um, a lot of people start to put this stuff away as fall approaches, but this could be the best bite going in, in fall, especially on a drawdown lake. Um, Matt, you were talking to me the other day about wobbleheads. Mm-hmm. Another good bait during this fall drawdown, like, like um, you know, the, what is it, the Gene LaRue wobblehead thing? Yeah, yeah the um, bug. Yeah, the biffle bug thing. Th- this is another thing that can be you really fantastic. sold that one there, Frank. What's that? Yeah, that biffle bug thing. <laughs> well, yeah, but yeah, because I'm I got something else uh, I got you. that I'm working towards. Um, I, sorry about that, guys. <laughs> it's not sorry. always about selling a lure, man. So I so th- this is a really good time of year for this stuff. Okay, so I can't I can't leave it. I can't let it go. But here again, top waters, and I keep saying top waters because what we learned in the beginning, things that we know. The bait fish are moving. They're moving towards their salt, their fall places. So 
they'll be close to the top at times. So you have to pay attention to this. Buzz baits are phenomenal to get ferocious strikes in the fall, especially as fall progressive. That as, as fall progresses, that buzz bait bite gets even more ferocious. But it's overlooked a lot in the beginning, early stages of this movement, like this transition. It's overlooked a lot, but it can be a great way to find fish. This is where I start to... I don't want to say get away from the spooks because I never really can put a spook down, but, but I start to go to my pop R style baits and my crazy shads, you know, prop baits and stuff because of the, what the bait fish are doing. They tick in the surface. You can see them all milling around out there, especially, especially if the lake goes flat, you can see them dimpling out there. That's when prop baits and pop R style baits are, fantastic because you can work them as fast or slow as you need to and still attract that strike soft plastics come problematically this time of year for me because you have to you have to have something to flip and pitch um shaky heads become extraordinarily well on drawdown lakes especially lakes with void of any grass the shaky head can be money this time of year so you gotta have it so could your ned rigs especially on some of the spotted bass fisheries that draw down with no grass in them Mm -hmm. can be dynamite this time of year because everything's starting to get in a range and they may not be bottom related so the slow fall of the ned will get them suspended as you fall through those balls of shad the slow the, the, can get them on the yeah. net and then they so, follow it down you're like oh that fish was on the bottom no right it was up on bait fish percent crawfish on the bottom but your perception is fish was on the bottom 100 percent. i mean and that's that's kind of how i approach it and it seems okay. it's not random guys it's not random the problem is you need a lot of bait choices until you start to narrow down a bite and here's the other crazy thing the bite can change day to day um you know that's the crazy thing about which is why you hear the phrase junk fishing a lot in that late summer early fall time this is it this is the junk pattern right now i mean this is what's going on guys that live and die on one thing this time of year can say oh fishing was so tough fishing was so tough and then guys that are just used to scrambling with a million different rods on their deck and throwing a bunch of lures say, man, I caught a bunch today. I caught them on everything. You know what I mean? That's when people say, I caught them on everything I had. That means they weren't dialed in on anything in my world. That means they weren't dialed in, but this is, this is, you're right, Matt, hundred percent, right. This is the junk fishing time right now. I like it. And so, this is where you also put together everything that you've heard in past day fours as far as, you know, locations, tactics, exploring, little pattern. Like, it's a little bit of everything this right. time of the year. Right. It's not, not a one-track mind. No, this is definitely, this time of year is not a one-trick pony. Um, I've gone out one day and, and obliterated them on a square bill and the next day I couldn't get a bite on a square bill and caught him Carolina rigging like a madman. Um, and, and here, you know, what I, what I know now, okay. I didn't know then, but what I know now is that, right. Exactly. It's a good song. The day I was catching them on the square bill, they were pulling water. Ah, so they're set up. Chasing. They were set up. The day I was catching them Carolina rig, they quit pulling water and the fish slid down the secondary points. You mentioned top water a couple times. You've talked about a prop bait. You've talked about a buzz bait. You've talked about a, a, a pop R. Is this, this also seems to be the time of the year where you, if, if you are going to lock something into your hands, you can be rewarded with throwing a top water for the duration of your outing, not just low light conditions are over. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like the fish are more likely and during this time to come up at 10 o'clock, two o'clock, one o'clock noon as a blast of top water because of what the bait fish are doing, what you just talked about. And because of the location and the drawdown and they're typically in shallower water with bait fish that are active with a little bit of current and they're always looking Mm -hmm. up and they're more likely to come up and drill something. Absolutely. hundred percent. That's a hundred percent accurate. That's why this time of year you have to have 
a top water on. You have to now. All no, shad colored. Are you going all shad colored? I all yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. All shad colored baits. I want stuff to look just like what they're eating. Um, the other thing I try to do is I pay very close attention if I catch one, what the bass regurgitates. A lot of times when they're gorging on shad, they'll they'll spit some up. I don't care about the color of the shad. I want to see how big they are. That's are they important. four inch shad or yeah. are they two inch shad? Because that is going to tell me if I'm throwing a crankbait, I better downsize the body or I better upsize the body. If I'm throwing a topwater, I better go from the super spook to the super spook junior. You follow me? Yep. This, this gives me that gauge, you know, um, it gets the good news is, and everybody, well, everybody knows it. The good news is, as fall progresses, fishing gets better. It gets easier. I shouldn't even say better. It just gets easier. It's easier to figure out at that point. But this is probably one of the this time and the post spawn time are probably the toughest times uh, guys have consistently staying on fish. Yeah, the size thing. The size thing is big. I like that. Now, you you don't you haven't talked about crawfish. We talk about crawfish in the spring. Will they completely get off of the crawfish in the fall and just be maniacs to the bait fish? Like, I mean, is it worth dragging it's, a crawfish colored jig around or flipping any of the craw stuff? Or are you hundred and ten percent? Okay, because this time, especially drawdown lakes, they're relating specifically to the rocks. And the crayfish are okay. being displaced. As the water comes down, the crayfish are going back to the water's edge. So the crayfish are constantly moving where the water's going. So the beauty part about this is not only do you have the shad using this stuff, but you have an unusually large amount of crayfish in a compacted area. So now you've got the best of both worlds going on. You don't hear a lot about that though this time. No, but see in the fall, I don't necessarily, I don't throw reds in the fall. I go brown bones and oranges in the fall. I stay more natural crawdad patterns in the fall because that's more like what's readily available. And some of the, and you got to look at your lakes too, because some of the lakes like if you have the rusty crayfish, which most lakes do now have the rusty crayfish, their shell, their carapace can be brownish blue, blackish blue, and they got two giant rusty color spots on their side. It's called a rusty crayfish. So this is the most common craw now because it's become an invasive species. I know like Michigan's mm -hmm. getting inundated with them. Even down south, they're even starting to get down south, um, starting to get these crayfish in them. But they're more natural colors. So you're going to stay with your green pumpkins and browns on your soft plastics, typical crayfish colors. On my crankbaits, brown, bone, and orange. Um, this is, and olives and olives and browns. This is where I'm, this is my go-to stuff now. Okay. Uh, Topwater-wise, and I, I was just perusing learning that. You want to see a picture of the first topwater bait I ever threw that I could remember? Wait, wait. It's going to be. Yeah, it is. never going to get it. Yes, I am. Never going to get it. It's either going to be a hula popper or a nippadiddy. I don't even know what a nippadiddy is. Okay, is so what do you got? Keep guessing. It's along those lines, though. I will say, I will tell you this. It's in, the, it's in the rebel family. The buzz frog? <laughs> yeah. All right, dude, way to go, man. That is a way to go on the buzz frog. Right there. You ever thrown that thing? I have never thrown that. I, it's my first topwater bait that I threw was actually a black jitterbug. Oh, that's a, that's a classic. So the buzz and frog here. So this is the beauty of it. I, I, this is one of my earliest memories ever. I was fishing, and, and it, I remember because it was, it was getting cold out in the fall. One of my earliest memories ever. And my mom or dad had taken that hook off of the back, right? So I had no hook on there. I was a little kid. Right. And they didn't want me to hook. And my theory was that with all this spinning metal stuff in the back here, that would possibly get entangled in the gills 
and I would be able to land that <laughs> fish without any hooks. I don't know why I remembered or what brought it up, but it was just. Did you land any? Oh no, I don't. Uh, of course I don't not. even remember that. I just remember I was looking at the different baits and the pop bars and stuff in there and saw That's that. That's Brought back a fond memory. What was the Wizard Schnitzel that you talked about? I think it was a Nippadiddy. They do they make those still? I see. Just put it in. I don't know. We had all know. kinds of stuff. We did. How we did had. You spell that. Well, I who don't made know. It? Who made it? I don't remember. Uh, there's maybe a liquor s- called Nip. Oh, maybe, that's nip may, maybe I'm <laughs> saying it wrong. But anyway, but um, the, well, man, you got me off my track here. The nipatitty gonna... is not what you want to Google. Just trust me on that. Nipadiddy. Oh, nipadiddy. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna get canceled. <laughs> We have stooped to a new level on PTL. We just talked about girls. you just, just going party it all out. On <laughs> we have Troy. stooped to a whole new level on PTL, guys. It, that still doesn't. Uh, it's that's. Uh, we'll just not even go down. All right, don't that even go there. I'll have, have to. I'm curious. Few, what is it? I'll have to. I'll have. I think it's like one of them oh, lures with the wings on it that walk like this on the water. Okay. Like yeah, I know duck. what you're talking about. Like that. Wow. We we had a guy here used, locally used to make this thing called a Barney Spoon. And uh, that was another bait. Jeez, oh, man, dude. Good. That bait was just insanity. It, it didn't do like a spoon like you think a Johnson spoon or something. That thing hopped on the water and swam you know, back and forth like, you know, like that, and you could throw it through the lily pads and all over the place. That thing was crazy, man. We fished a lot of crazy stuff when we were little, did we not? Yeah. I think we did. Yeah, I was a big fan of, uh, like I said, the Chrome Big O, just because of my dad. See, now now my my favorite Big O was all pearl with a black stripe on the side of it, the snake stripe. I know what you're talking about, but the only one that we ever that I ever fished with my dad, Chrome Blackback. Yeah, my dad loved that Chrome Blackback, dude. One day we we were rabbit hunting in November, and we went out. They had a farm pond on this property we hunted, and, and they had a rowboat there. And I I always br- bring my fishing rods when I go to this place because this pond was loaded with good bass. So one day we go. We row out there. We said, let's not rabbit hunt today. Let's fish. And I said, yeah, cool. I'm in. So we row out there and we just manhandled them on the big O. Okay. And this was November and we, we obliterated them. Now it was a farm pond. So, okay, let's keep it in perspective. But my dad used black and chrome and I used the pearl with the black stripe. Okay, we caught tons of them. So my my father had a problem. Like when the helicopter lure came out, he bought like a garage full of them. Okay, my dad got he got he was the best. He was an infomercials best friend. Was really? my father? Yeah, he was crazy like that. So you have so, a, you fished the helicopter lure before? Never in my life. Oh, I you didn't even but touch it. Have you, my dad you had a million of them and did the he banjo catch him on it? and the banjo. Well, minnow. that's just a. F- nose hooked fluke so right a hundred percent it works a hundred percent but works. the band but i'm more interested in the helicopter lure did he ever did you never ever caught see? A, he never caught a fish on him he bought the flying lure he bought that all that works that all that is is a, a more Flat effective tube. tube yeah so here so listen bring that back yes yeah, swear to god so here listen to this so he goes out and he i don't know how many he bought dude but he had <laughs> boxes of them the kid i mean boxes of them and i and i was just i'd shake my head and i'd be like oh my god you're you're gonna never gonna use those ever ever so i had those baits for so long i just would get i because i got all that stuff so i just dude i used it forever i never hardly bought one you know what i would like a serious high-end tournament Let's do a $500 entry fee where all you can use are infomercial baits. That'd be interesting, That's wouldn't funny. it? That's funny. 
that's or only or well i i wouldn't say collectible baits because i wouldn't want to throw them where i live because you would lose yeah. every one of them to pike and muskies just but, infomercial um, baits that would be so fun actually it would be terrible it would be terrible, dude, because you'd, you'd be sitting out there going, I know there's a better way to catch them, but I got to use this stupid thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, yeah. But, you know, the crawdad patterns, there's some really good ones in the next-gen um, Model A's. Uh, there's really good fall crawdad colors in that. And, once again, less reds, more oranges and naturals in the fall. Yeah, I, I, that's my philosophy now as the water gets colder i know guys that start throwing red again and they catch them on it but basically in the springtime i'm like married to red but but in the fall i i'm I'm, man i'm natural colors and the funny thing too in the springtime after the spawn is over and the bass are still relatively shallow i'll start to transition to natural Colors again, natural crawdad colors there again. That's good stuff. Uh, what else haven't we covered? What else do we need to make sure we get in here before we uh, wrap up today's show? I don't know. I don't know. That show seemed really fast to me. Well, it was because there were some great stories that were told during that show. That's so funny. I like that. But that's all part of it. Entertain, educate, and engage. In the first 10 minutes, Frank, were highly entertaining. Then the next 40 minutes were engaging and educational. (laughs) And maybe entertaining. (laughs) There were some entertaining moments in that. Fall, early fall, late summer transition. Kind of a basic primer on where I wrote down. Who, what, when, where, and why. That's kind of what today's show was about. Absolutely. And remember, check out check out the Model A next gens too. They're, yeah, they, they got, got some, some orange really ones, a natural good. one and a red one. Yeah, and and um and so do the Fat Free series. Uh check that out as well. It's pretty cool. Good stuff. All right, uh Frank, we will be back live next Thursday for another live exciting edition of day four. With the man Frank Scalish. We'll see you guys next week.